we really seek in our masterminds to celebrate both the wins as well as the failures that people go through. And I think sometimes, like, I, I don't think person like the whole personal development journey itself is an individual journey. I think it requires having a community and a success team that supports that leveling up. What are we talking about on the Grow Your Damn Business podcast? We're talking about business, specifically your business. Is it growing or are you stuck? How painful is that growth? Is it running you or are you running it? Are you working in your business or on your business? On the Grow Your Damn Business podcast, we explore these questions and much more. Expect a lively, spirited discussion about what it takes to grow your damn business. And now, on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Grow Your Damn Business podcast. I am your host, Scott Goodrich. And uh, as always, we've got a guest in store for us today that I think you're going to enjoy. Uh, joined today by Parker Harris. Parker, welcome to the show. Hi, Scott. Parker is uh, another of our international guest. We've had a couple along the way. Uh, Parker is uh, talking to us today from Budapest. So, uh, Parker, how are things in Budapest today? It is beautiful. They yeah. are getting ready to celebrate their national day, and uh, they, they sure know how to celebrate. Beautiful. Beautiful. Now, Parker, you did share with me before we started, and I told you I'd hold it because I think it'd be really interesting for the listeners to to get your experience before we get into what you're doing today um, with Hunto Global. I'd just love to talk a little bit about your journey. Uh, you are uh, in the middle of, uh, you told me, a different home every month. Just talk about, so how many spots have you been to? Different, I think it's a different city every month, actually. So just tell me about uh, where you've been thus far, where you're going, and how long you're into that uh, journey of moving around the world. So I've lived, I lived in San Diego for my entire life, and then I got married at the end of last year, and my wife and I decided to move everything into storage at the end of January. And we spent, uh, we went to Dallas, spent February in Dallas, then we went to Cheyenne, Wyoming for a month, and then Nashville for a month. And then we hopped into Amsterdam, London, Paris, went to Croatia for a month, and then we went to Prague for a month, and now we're in Budapest. Um, so we're about six months into an indefinite journey. We're scheduled out at, um, in, until February 2024, wow. and then we'll likely jump down to South America for a little while. That's just fantastic. What was the driving force behind that? What was the decision to say, okay, this is, the, this is what we're going to do? How did that come about? You know, I, I foresee children in the future and um and settling down you know getting a home and and, yeah. and building some roots and i think we're just questioning where that's going to be yeah and and open to figuring out like what we're looking for from home yeah okay love i i think the envy of many people taking a listen if they didn't get that done before kids arrived you've got to wait till after the kids have, have made their journey through so uh i'm on the other side of that spectrum both of my kids have graduated school, started their lives. As a matter of fact, my daughter got married last year. My son's getting married next year. So I'm at that stage. So I'm on the other other end of that spectrum from where you're getting things started. So uh, I think it's awesome that you've taken this opportunity to do that. So congrats to you. And uh, sounds just sounds fantastic. Right back at you. That's yeah. a fun time of life. It is. Congrats. It is. It is a good time of life. We, we, we enjoy spending time. We went on vacation all together this year, everyone and their significant others. So that was a lot of fun. And, and you're going to try to make sure that we do that uh, once a year as well. It's a, it's, it's a great time. The kids have, have a good time seeing uh, just how their lives are unfolding. And uh, as as a side note, for the most part, after the after the final wedding, they'll be on their own financially, so they'll be off the uh, off the payroll. <laughs> it's nice to get to that place at some point in time. Uh, all right, well, let's well, just. I, go ahead. I love the intention of actually doing that once a year with yeah. your kids. Um, I'm a little envious. We have uh, so. 
as you and I talked beforehand, uh, work with uh, EOS and, and we work with our clients to make sure that they're mapping out uh, their future. So, so building some long-term plans, typically around 10 years, and then really creating a three-year picture, which gives sure. them a real good insight as a company into where they want to be in three years. Well, we also do that personally. So we use a, a personal, what we call a vision traction organizer, a personal VTO. And on that is we've actually lined up what we're going to do over the next few years with the, with the trip each year and how our, how our lives are going to unfold there, making sure that we're scheduling that time as we build around uh, a busy business and, and work life, but we have that carved out. So very much uh, front of mind and, and what we want to do with our, with our family going forward. So you're getting a little bit of it now and hopefully you get a chance to do that later as well. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I think can learn a lot about someone by how they look at time. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a great question. I think we should get into that a little bit. Uh, what I'd like to do is just at least go back and starting your journey. I know you had a very early beginnings to your own entrepreneurial journey. So I'd love to hear from you a little bit about that. And then let's spend some time talking about what you've built today. And I, I think that conversation around time is, is a really interesting one. But if, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of take us back to your story. You started at an early age. What, what prompted that? Let's get in. Let's talk about that first business that you launched in your teens, right? Yeah. So I, I think for me, looking back, um, I was kind of a weird kid in that I, I got really turned on by politics and economics at a young age. Okay. <laughs> and um, I'm an only child. And so I spent a lot of time around my parents and their friends. So I spent a lot of time around adults. Yeah. And my father was, was um, you know, he grew up without, you know, without a dad and kind of grew up in poverty, sleeping on the couch and, and having to to do all the cooking and cleaning for for his you know for his house at a very young age, and so he got me like going at a young age where it's like mow the lawn and in chores and things like that. And I realized that there was like a like I I guess I learned that I like to add value at a young age. Like it just became something that I enjoyed doing. Yeah. And I also saw that there was like a path laid out in front of me that I could choose to either go on or not. Um, and. I started getting involved with the YMCA. I started working 30 hours a week through high school. And then they had they had some um, some different opportunities with a program called Youth in Government, okay. which mission is to teach democracy to the next generation. And I got really involved in that and helped me find my voice. And after seeing a few different election cycles, I realized I, I saw politics as a place where there were a lot of broken promises and and potentially not a lot of substance. And I saw business as a place where people, you know, were forced to keep their promises and, you know, word, you know, word was bond yeah. where people didn't want to do business with you. Right. And so I think that environment tra attracted me more than like the politics side of things. And um, I was really into working out and into health at a young age. And so I said, I was like, why not just start a nutrition company? So my first company I started with my best friend who was a few years older than me when I was 17. It was called Your Health Store. And we sold, we sold uh, protein and uh, vitamins and nutrition products um, in person, through online, and through a catalog. So you, you got spurred that way, right? So through, it sounds like through some of the things that your your dad was teaching you, right? To go out there and, and figure things out on your own, so so to speak. Did, was he very supportive of you starting a business that, that early? That, that can go one of two ways, right? So just, you know, what role did, did he play or did anyone else play in, in making that first step into uh, I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah. I mean, my dad taught me a lot. He's he's a very much like a values-oriented person. Mm -hmm. um, he really wanted me to join the military, which he he joined. I'm actually the first generation in my family not to be in the military. Yeah. And um, and so I, 
I made the decision to move out my senior year of high school from my parents' home. I had saved up some money and um, and I moved in with my best friend, started this company, and uh, and we almost like signed legal legal documents and and got a lease on a on a retail shop when my god you know my my dad's best friends mm-hmm. um you know it doesn't matter right like brother-in-law right. yeah was a was a business attorney and he was looking at this these paperwork and looking at you know our financials and stuff and he's like what's your goal with this and i'm like well i want to build a big company and he's like well it looks to me like you're creating a job for yourself <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know and he's like if you really like if you really want to do that like go learn finance which he described as the language of business okay. and then go work for a big company yeah so whether that was good advice or not i'll never know but i took the advice and i got a degree in finance and eastern studies and then i went to work for a fortune 100 technology company and kind of saw the inner workings of of what a big business looked like yeah interesting advice so uh my, my I'm, I'm older than you parker and so my my dad uh, was in the military and was in Vietnam. And, and I had this similar thoughts. I was like, you know, is this a path that I should follow? Should I join the military? I'm a, I, I see myself as a disciplined person and don't mind following rules along the way. And uh, he was like, no, you're not doing that. Uh, you don't need to do that. It's, it's, so you're not doing that. And I'm like, okay, well, you know. <laughs> and uh, so he gave me a different uh, counseling there than what sounds like you got, got from your family. But I do appreciate the values-driven nature of those conversations, right? Not not doing, not telling you what exactly to do, but giving you the framework of which to make some of those decisions. It sounds like that's a lot of what what he was sharing with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Your, yeah. your dad actually saw like saw war. Yeah, right? yeah. It's it was, like uh, not, you don't not, want to be there. When he entered the uh, ROTC, that's not what he thought he was bargaining for, but that's where that's where he ended up, right? And didn't talk anything about it. So I don't have any stories to share from there because it's just not something that he. He would talk about, so it had that profound impact on him, and I'm sure that's why that was the counsel that he gave me was to to not go down that path, do do something do something different. And and at the time, even though it was a quote unquote peacetime, when when I was thinking about that, he said that's not really what you need to do, um, and, and so don't pursue that path. So I that was I guess a little inside look on that, and appreciated the advice at the time, and and so and obviously didn't didn't choose that path. So, so you got you, you learn a little from that uh, and being in, in that, but you didn't stay long within corporate America, right? Quote unquote, right? You didn't, you know, learning in a big company, you did it for a little while. But what was the what prompted you then to okay? I'm gonna, let me pivot away from that. I'm learning some of those lessons, but now I won't. I'm gonna actually go out and, and do something on my own. What, what were some of the thought processes that you had there be, before? You know, as you as you were considering leaving uh, that opportunity that you had working for a Fortune 100 company. Yeah, that's a good question. I think there was a lot of different kind of converging things that happen at once. Um, within six months of graduating college and starting um, in this position, I was so excited to get there. I was like, I want to become the CEO of this company. You know, what's what's the path to do that? And they're like, no, there is no path for that. There is no program, right? <laughs> and I was like, okay, no worries. Like, I'll build one, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And, and so I I started organizing these events um, at at the company where we would bring in like an executive to speak to the new hires like zero to three year employees um, with the goal of like talent retention and it allowed me to build relationships with the executives to really understand like how they saw the company what they did on a day to day basis and eventually those conversations went a little more personal where I was like hey like. Do you like what you do <laughs> every day? Like, yeah, yeah. would would you recommend it to me? Right. What advice do you give your kids? <laughs> you know, interesting. What, what what great questions, really? I don't know. You know, were they were those questions 
had they, had they said, would those ever pose to them previously? Or was anyone really, really pushing them on that? They were like, so, so 95% of the time it was like, no, I would recommend it to you. I wish I was asking these questions when I was your age. Interesting. And like, what advice would I give my kids? It's like to figure out what you're passionate about. And it was like cartooning and like yeah. music, you know, all yeah. these other things yeah. that were not the path that I was on. And within six months of graduating, I, I started a group called Junto, which was um, modeled after Benjamin Franklin and a, a mastermind that he created. And I was getting so much value from that. And the other people in the group, like it was just, there was just some big home runs on an entrepreneurial side, you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollar exits at, in the mid twenties. Also just some like big personal development shifts and relationship stuff and just figuring out life together, you yeah. know? Yeah. And and so when I started thinking about like, what am I passionate about? I was like looking at my life and I was like, well, I'm really busy. Like I'm putting in 50, 60 hours a week at work. Sure. I'm going to the gym. I'm dating. I'm, you know, cooking and grocery shopping and just like living a successful independent life. And there's not a lot of other time, but every Friday I was willing to suffer for and put together this group without any, you know, financial gain. And I was like, you know, I think there's something here. Yeah, and so um, I it was, I remember still making the decision. It felt like a, a life or death decision to me at the time, where I'm like, you know, I'm on this path that I could literally retire on the, in this company, right? If I just stayed on it, and there's not a lot of situations like that, and uh, like I think today there's less situations like that for sure. And, yeah, and I think it's just it is much more of a of a mobile thing. It is not the stay X amount of years until you're until you're done. It, it, uh, the safety of a job is probably not what it used to be. Um, to, to speak with very, to paint with a very broad brush, there, uh, right? I think I think that the world has definitely turned in that way, both from the employee and the employer side. I, mean, I think that's a two way street. I'm not saying one or the other, but it, it just doesn't work in the same manner as maybe it did, you know, a couple, a, a generation or two ago. Yeah, I think for the most part that's true. I think where I was at, it was one of those companies where, like, it, it, for some reason, they just had the margin. They were able mm -hmm. just to hold it down. Yeah. Um, and, and they really rewarded people within. Um, but yeah, I, I was, you know, I had this ethereal moment where I was, I was always really into reading. I think, um, you know, this is a little more spiritual stuff, but I got really into Proverbs and Ecclesiastes when I was younger. And mm -hmm. in there, it talks about like really seeking wisdom more than gold. And that just stuck with me. And so I started reading a lot of different books and, uh, man's search for meaning one of like Viktor Frankl's work he has this line and it. it's like live your life as if you're living it for the second time and you're as dangerously close to making the same mistakes the second time as you did the first time and that that idea hit me so hard and I saw my life if I stayed at that company and I was just like you know what I just can't do it yeah. and and so I had to you know I, I I jumped back into entrepreneurship and took that path that unknown path first off that I, I have not don't know that that's Victor Frankl. I don't know the study that I, I've not heard that quote before, but boy, it really kind of, kind of hits home, right? And and uh, we t we talk quite a bit with entrepreneurs about risk taking or risk aversion and and who's willing to to strike out and how often it's the third or fourth idea that is the one that hits, and it's not always that first idea can just cause even it could be the greatest service or the greatest product, but it just it's either executed poorly or it actually the the world changes around it and it you've, it's got to unfold, you got to learn. Uh, from the mistake that's made. Um, and so I love that. Live it as if you're going through it a second time. You already made that mistake. So learn from it right away and, and, and being able to apply it. 
So you said he has an ethereal moment. I, I just, was there a conversation or advice or anything that, that you had? You were asking some really interesting questions of people doing the work you thought you should be doing, maybe to put it in that language. But then you said, okay, not, that's really not for me because they're not representing what I think I want, right? You are learning from that, being in that learning mindset. But what said, okay, I need to go out there and create this environment where I can have conversations with others or bring people together of like mine and have these more philosophical conversations through the masterminds that you've created. What, what, what was it that was the thing that said, okay, this, this, is, a, this is the way to go forward? So uh, I love what you said about like, it's often the third or fourth idea, you know, in college, I, I started some other companies and in, even through this, that journey within Junto, I was working with some of the other entrepreneurs and other people in the group to start businesses. So I think this was probably eight, like eight or nine for me. Um, but I think it goes back to like, where, where do I like enjoy adding value? Like what, what, where am I willing to suffer? Right? Like, and, and this was the thing I was willing to suffer to do. And I think there was probably, you know, five or six things that converged to help me like make this decision. Um, and essentially, like I, I came up, I got a lot of opportunities from organizing speaker events, both within the company, which I mentioned. Yeah. I also started doing that in college. And then when, once I left college, I was doing that separately as well. So I was doing this in a few different arenas. And I got a lot of value from those initially, but over time I was getting less and less value from those events because I think there's just so much great content online on YouTube and like figuring out really what is authentically relevant. Like what is the problem I really need to solve? I can find the world expert to give me that in 10 minutes, 30 minutes or two hours online. Um, but I was, I started getting a lot more value from the peer to peer exchange piece of it at the beginning and the end of those events. And, you know, I just, I, I think, you know, more macro level, I think that that's where education is going to be going is like peer to peer, peer to mentor learning. Yeah. You know, I, a couple of things there that I'd love to talk about. So I had someone on a previous episode, someone I've known for, for quite some time, and, and he talked about trying on a bunch of different passions until you find your purpose. And that's what, what he's done. His passion has met his purpose. And then you described it as, well, I was willing to put in the time, even if there wasn't a reward financially, materially from that, but you're willing to put in time. You, you said, use the word suffering, but you're willing to do that because it's hitting both those things, that the passion that you had for that learning was meeting a purpose that you had, which was to carry it, carry it out to others. And, and, and But you tried a few things on for size until you got there, it sounds like, right? And, and went through those. Um, and I, I love that quote that he shared with me. I don't know if that resonates with you at all, but it really, what he was talking about, it's like, okay, that, that's, that's really great advice, really great thought uh, for people to, to, to take home and noodle on. Yeah, I, I think that's really a powerful idea as well. And I think that, that like, the idea of passion and purpose means something to you and I that maybe, you know, it, it, I, I think there's like, a, like, let's define what purpose is and what passion means because potentially what some people are interested in, they think they're passionate about, right? And and so, I, you know, this is again a little philosophical, but I think most people look at passion as like, well, if I had a million dollars or a billion dollars, like what would I do with my day? And I, I don't think that's it. I think it goes back to like, what am I willing to suffer for? That's what yeah. I'm passionate about. Um, and I think most people are really only willing to suffer for themselves or their family. And I think that the reward, like, you know, just naturally the reward for that is a job, 
where it's like, okay, cool. Like if you're only willing to suffer for your, like everyone is willing to suffer for themselves and their family, right? right That's right. not unique. Yeah. Yep. But when, when we're starting to like willing to suffer for other people that are outside of us and our family, I think we get rewarded with different level of responsibility and a different level of opportunity that is different and has its own cost and is potentially like was interesting to me. So Parker, I'd love to just ask you, you use the word suffer um, and I, it's obviously intentional on your part, uh, but in many ways it's, it's, it's an interesting word to choose, I guess it'd say. So, so what is it about that word and why, why do you choose it that way? Cause, cause someone just say, I'm going to give of myself or I'm going to put in the time or, Hey, I know that this is a long build or a long runway till I achieve my objective, but you're not using that framework. You're using the word, word suffer. So do, do, why, why is that? Why is that the one that, that you come back to time and again, as you're describing it? Well, I mentioned finance and Eastern studies. Okay. <laughs> I think <Yeah. laughs> I think the Eastern studies part, right, is like yeah. you know goes into like Buddhism and and Buddha. You know, life is suffering. <laughs> um, okay. And I think the the quicker that we embrace that, the the easier that life becomes in some ways. Okay. Um, and I was talking to um, one of our members and a really good friend of mine recently, and this he said this this thing that stuck with me. It was like we don't get what we deserve in life; we get what we're willing to suffer for. Um, so I think that that's why it's kind of fresh in my head. And I think it's just part of the way that I think about the the entrepreneurial journey and maybe just the life journney. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It, you're right. That's an, that, that Eastern Western confluence there that you're talking about because you do think of the West capitalism financial, and then you've got this other, other way of a, of a lens of life. Well, let's talk a little bit about, um, Hunto and, and what you've built there, uh, from humble beginnings to what you've got today. Um, obviously I know there's, a, a there's a lot going on in that space. So if you would just kind of walk us through the, the Junto journey from where it started to your, from your first group and to where it is today, I'd love to, love to hear that and, and have you share with, with our audience, uh, folks that may be interested, but also just, just hear what it took to build what you've got going right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that, that conversation we were just having on the philosophical thing. Yeah. I, I think it goes like to there's so many things in in the world right now where there's just a lot of people that think that they deserve something or entitled and, and there's just like a this disconnect right it's um but to answer your question yeah what goes i'm happy into to go back it? if you like we can put that on hold I'm, we can have that because that is an interesting thought that you bring up there about you know what is actually deserved or you know how do i get mine or wh- whatever that is and that, you know there's 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 something to that. And until, from my perspective, until you're willing to, to give a little bit of yourself, give a little bit of your time, your knowledge, um, give your insight into a space where you don't expect any turnaround, then you're not going to be able to, to take this step forward. But it, you're almost going a, a level deeper with, with uh, the concepts that you're bringing in from, from the Eastern side. So if you've got more to say in it, I'm more than happy to hear it. If you've got a perspective to share in that space. I think, I mean, I, th- I think there's a few different ways to look at it, but one is entrepreneurship is a very humbling journey, in my opinion. Um, and I think there's because there's just so much suffering. And whenever we get the win, it's like we we like over we over earned it, right? Where it's like it almost doesn't even feel good anymore because it's like no, like that was so earned, and that like yeah. all the you know, I know, so, I know. That's that's so so true, right? And it's often it's the entrepreneur has that 
part of it. We actually talk quite a bit about this within our EOS community about it. You know, it is, it is made up of a bunch of folks that have had successes in other careers, either starting their own businesses or working for a company, reaching the top and then starting a business and then deciding, okay, we're now going to help others and, and coach others and, and share the experiences that we've all been through with, with clients, potential clients. So it's, it is, you know, it, it is, it, interesting that when you get that group together and, and what it takes and okay, so you achieve something and then the what's next or okay, glad I got there, but that's already in my rear view and the eyes are already on that next step in the future. And it's hard to take the time to celebrate or take the time to reflect on all that happened to get to this point. Um, do you find that with the entrepreneurs that you talk to that, that, that there is that missing element of achievement or recognizing that, that, that all that work that went into it, suffering to use your word that went into it is, is sometimes lacking when, when, when they're going through their own journeys. Yeah. Um, uh, we really seek in our masterminds to celebrate both the wins as well as the failures that yeah. people go through. And I think sometimes like, I, I don't think person like the whole personal development journey itself is an individual journey. I think it requires having a community and a success team that supports that leveling up. Um, you, you know, I, like when I, when I think of like the things that get the reward, rewarded the most in society, whether it's in corporate America or whether it's in entertainment and athletics, and there's just such a high failure rate, like that's just so inherent to it, right? Where our education system promotes this getting a hundred percent idea, whereas like you know, sales, the like the best salespeople in the world have a thirty percent win like conversion rate, um, which is you know, actually pretty awesome, frankly. If you would, get to the that best that. in the world, <laughs> the best in the world, right, have a thirty percent. Um, you know, it's like a baseball player, right? You yeah, get the hall of fa- hall of yeah. fame with with hitting three hundred. Yeah. So I think that's part of the entrepreneurial journey that I'm really fascinated by is like learning to embrace failure and like not make it mean something that's like personal or like let it hit the identity layer of, of who we are. Um, so yeah, I, I, when, even when I look at just like mother Teresa, Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King, Teddy Roosevelt, like just like great greatness throughout history. Um, it's people that I think had a really interesting relationship with suffering, with failure, with rejection and back to like, I think where we started this is like, they didn't really feel like they deserved anything. They didn't really feel like they were owed anything. Right. And it's, I think, you know, I, I don't remember where I heard this, but it's like, when, when we look at things from the other person's point of view versus from our point of view, everything becomes possible and entrepreneurship and sales is and leadership probably, um, is an environment where we are rewarded for letting go of our own ego, our own identity, and thinking about things from everyone else's point of view and, and adding value to that and serving that. Yeah. And that creates endless upside. Yeah. And it's really challenging and, and it's really hard, right? And it, Every day. Yeah, uh, a- absolutely. And that, that's what, and that's what we hear. Right? And when we're talking with uh, folks that are interested in, in working with you, that's what we hear a lot of times from business owners that are frustrated. Why don't others care to the degree that I care? Why can't I get any others that, that have the same passion for what we're trying to do here? And how do they get that alignment across the organization as they, as they want to build it, right? These are the things that we hear in that frustration that comes from an entrepreneur It's in, in that space. Because as I meant, even if it is the very best product or the very best service, 
without having the good people around you, without having a plan of execution on there, it's just not going to go anywhere, right? It's just, it's just not going to happen. You'll get some of it, but you're not going to get what you really, all that you want to put into it, right? You're not going to, it's not going to come back around to you. Um, really, really interesting conversation that we could probably spend a lot more time on that one. And I'm, and I'm sure you do uh, on that, but uh, I do want to give a chance to, to hear a little bit about the masterminds that you, you've created. You've mentioned them a couple of times, but I know it's a it's a gathering of entrepreneurs to, to walk through that. You know, just so tell me, you started with one and, and, you know, how did that get going to the degree that it is now where you've had so many folks come together? Tell me a little bit about that. There's probably different versions of this story from different people's point of views. Okay. <laughs> um, but you're the, you here, know, we'll get your, we'll get your point of view, right? You get that, you get to represent that. Yeah. So, you know, like I mentioned, like doing the speaker events and then, and then I remember being like, what if we didn't have the speaker, <laughs> you know, like what if, what if we just came <laughs> right. together with this quality group of people and then had a conversation about the things that matter most to us here and now. Right. And, and so that's where it started. And we invited 30 people to the first meeting and we got four, <laughs> you know, and, and that meeting was awesome. And then, um, the next meeting we got five cause someone like said something to someone else and. And then it slowly grew to a point where we had too many people in, in yeah. the meeting. And then I I made the decision, and I, I think some other people were involved in that decision, around starting to cut people and be like, hey, you know, like we have something special here. Let's really curate for quality. And um, and that was difficult. There was because, sure, yeah. you know, beauty's in the eye of the boulder. Um, and I remember having a conversation with one person who was the youngest person in our group, super driven very intelligent, but I was just like, Hey, you know, this is happening. <laughs> and he's like, you know, Parker, I've been in this for 18 months. I've gotten so much from this experience. And I think I know some other people that would benefit from it as well. Like, what if we started a second group? And I was like, let's do it. Yeah. And, yeah. and brought, you know, he brought those people together and that guy that did that is way more successful than I am financially now. And it, you know, is just crushed <laughs> it in business and the CEO of a, one of the fastest growing companies in the United States and, and is just a, a freaking rock star in on yeah. the entrepreneurship side. But so he he helped me start that second group. And then we started a third group and started a fourth group. And we did this all at a very low price point. <laughs> um, okay. And so we got to, you know, a hundred, a hundred people in different groups, you know, at let's just call it sub one hundred dollars. Let's call yeah. it sub fifty dollars a month. Yeah. <laughs> and uh <laughs> And, and it was like, wow, like we have a hundred people and we're only making, you know, a few thousand dollars a month right. and we can't pay anyone to do anything, <laughs> you know, and what the hell are we doing here? And, and I think, I think another part of it is like, we couldn't scale the quality that we wanted to create, like the experience that we sought to grow, we couldn't do in the way that we were structuring it because of incentives, incentivization, incentives and resources. Yeah. So Frank Kern, who's an entrepreneur I respect, uh, one of the godfathers of internet marketing, has this saying, like, every six months, you should double your prices and fire half your customers. <laughs> and I think, you know, that, that... You know, there's something to that. No, something to that. You know, one of the... Another thing that we try to help our clients with is just, you know, what is your target market? And do the clients that you have today actually fit in that target market? Do they have alignment around that? Are they the right customers for you to get you in the direction that you want to go. So I totally get what, what Frank is, is sharing there because, and that's hard because when you are starting, 
every customer is a good customer. You need it, you know, you need to do that, but you've got to, you've got to cultivate that to get to a place where it is the right group of customers and that they're, that they are really valuing what you're providing because that will change over time, but you've got to stay on top of it. You've got to be very mindful of it and don't just let it happen to you. We just try to work with our clients by getting very intentional about who it is that they're really looking for, who it is that they want to target with, with their efforts, because oftentimes there's not a lot of money around to, to spend wildly. You've got to be targeted and focused on what you're doing and how to use those resources to the best. I think that's what we're talking about here, right? Is, is that making sure that you really know who it is that is right for the product or service that you're bringing to the table. I think it's one of the most personal decisions in business of who do we serve and how yeah. much we charge that person. Yeah. And obviously that can evolve over time. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I had this desire and I think it was altruistic, but I, maybe it was out of scarcity that was like, I really want to help everyone with this. Like I see so much value from this and I think so many people can benefit. And I had this vision around how to do that. And the unfortunate thing is that if I would have talked with my customers about it, I think that they would have given me a different answer. There's an entrepreneur named Grant Cooper um, who has a really good TED talk about like basically like visionary entrepreneurs are like bullshit or something like that. Like BS, like this idea that really it's not about like the vision of an entrepreneur as much as it is the vision of the customer and like really talking to them and understanding what they what they want and i think there's a strong paradox between those like and i think it's difficult to sometimes stand in that paradox or walk that paradox and maybe it's different for different people but what our customers wanted was they wanted more high quality people joining like they wanted higher like more successful entrepreneurs more successful leaders business people and i was like yeah but you know who we could help the most is college students <laughs> you know <laughs> and 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 it's like yeah maybe um so I, I had to learn that the hard way. Yeah. And, and then I had this like strong feeling of like, oh, I wish I could go back and do it all over again. And, and for years, like I said, that it was like with this like shame and regret and guilt. And then someone finally was like, well, Parker, if you could do it all over again, what would you do? And I was like, well, I would go up market. I would charge more. And they're like, well, why don't you just do that? Just do like, that. Yeah. I guess I can do that. <laughs> so um, so we took that path. We now serve yeah. entrepreneurs that are doing like mid six figures to high seven figures okay. in revenue. Yeah. Um, and so the leverage that um, this type of environment, space, experience creates is significant. Right. Like we have people coming out of a meeting being like, that meeting was worth a quarter of a million dollars to me. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that, you know, so the investment that that Junto is, it's like an it becomes like a an easy, like an sure. easy you know, um recurring investment for someone to make versus like someone's a college, you know, like yeah. suffering like struggling to eat. It's like, oh, like it's it's a different kind of like conversation. Yeah. So, and how big are the groups that you do try to form now? Because you got multiple groups, right? It's not just just the one group. So, tell me a little bit about how that expansion has occurred, and where, where are you sitting today? Yeah. So, we seek to have like a pretty intimate environment. So, we're shooting for like eight people per group, yeah. and um, and we have like a half a dozen of these groups. Nice, nice. And how how are they organized uh, for, for folks that that have an interest or like Loma? Like, how are they organized? Is it is it led by the members there or others coming and lead it? Just, just walk us a little bit through just how that's structured. I think it, it's, it's of interest to me and I think others as well. It's like, you know, cause if you're in this place, 
you crave the learning. You, you crave the journey of, of getting better. So, you know, trying to soak up a, a bunch of different ways to do that, it, you know, I find it, soak it up and sift through it and figure out what's going to be, you know, what's going to be the right thing to try on for that. Yeah, happy to share. So we have professional facilitators. We started with member-led and we would teach people how to, how to lead their groups and it would be rotating leaders, which I think there is a benefit to that for young leaders um, to learn how to lead a meeting and like how to see things again from other people's point of view. But entrepreneurs are so busy that it's like, hey, like leading this meeting is creating so much stress on me because I want to do a good job, but I'm also running my business, like all this stuff, right? And so that was part of our transition. It was actually from talking with members. I finally learned to listen and to ask questions. I was like, you know, how can we add more value to you? And they're like, if I didn't have to lead this damn meeting, <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> that would be amazing. And I'm yeah. like, no problem. Right. <laughs> you know, right. how much would you be willing to pay for that? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And well, there's a cost, there's a, there's a price for that, but yeah, I mean, it's, it makes sense though, right? Make sure that you, right. If that's not what they need to do and that's not where they're extracting the value, then they'll, I'm sure willing to pay that to get that value. Right. They've made the commitment. So I There's guess those conversations of, were fairly easy to, to have that transition happen. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think when we walk the path, interesting things happened. And, and so for me, I, like I started walking that path, learning to listen, ask the right questions and yeah. the answers were there. And I think it's something, you know, we're kind of a boutique mastermind. There are like much larger mastermind groups. And a lot of times those are member led and what happens, I think, is the quality of that experience maybe lowers over time or it changes over time depending on who's leading that. And so I think it goes back to incentives, right? Is if we have someone that's financially incentivized to create that best experience possible and accountable for that, there, that's one element to it. And then the other thing that we started to do that created more value was doing one-on-one -on -one conversations between the facilitator and the member outside of the meeting. Um, and so we could really drill into like, Hey, what would be the most valuable thing for us like to cover for you? Right. Yeah. And so members help create that agenda. The facilitator helps to make the members agenda, the agenda, and to create a really high value experience. Nice. Excellent. Excellent. Parker, we went a bunch of different spots and I wasn't, wasn't sure where we were going to go, but I really, really enjoyed the, the different places that we went and the conversations that we had. Um, I want to be conscious of your time. I appreciate your spending all the time that you did with us here on the episode. Um, we always like to get to know our guests a little bit better. So we do that through our five fast questions. So Let's if you're ready, I'm ready. Uh, Parker, you're, you're all over the place from San Diego originally. Do you have a favorite sports team or athlete? I grew up loving Jordan. Um, How can and then, yeah. Right. And then, and then Kobe uh, won, won my heart as well. Um, I've let go of sports uh, a little bit as well as part of this journey. But let me answer a question. So, yeah, those are, those are my favorite athletes. No, that's great. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. If it was your last meal, what would you have for your last meal? What's that? Mm. What's that? What was that food? That this is guilt free mm. now. So you know you can you you don't have to. This is not a mind, body, and soul one here. This is a guilt free last meal. Yeah, I'm a big fan of seafood. So yeah. probably oysters, okay. clams. I like crab. Um, yeah. So I think I'd probably go with the surf. Nice, nice. Do you? You're traveling the world, so you're you're there. But have you? Do you have a vacation spot or something in mind that is out there? That is, this is a bucket list place that I'd like to get to at some point in time. You're hitting a lot, so you're you're down that path. But is there a bucket list for you? A bucket list vacation spot? 
Um, this is a place I've been, um, but have, have you ever seen Shawshank Redemption? Uh, it's my favorite movie of all time, so yeah. Okay. <laughs> I feel like we can tell a lot about someone by yeah. the quality of their movies. Um, so, you know, Say Watsoneo? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so um, Say Watsoneo, a nearby town's called Ixtapa, and okay. um, that was like heaven on earth for me. I love that place. That's awesome. That's awesome, yes. I hope that's a good thing about my choice of Shawshank Redemption. I don't know, but it is my... And it's my rewatchable. It's actually my next question for you is what is your favorite movie rewatchable or even a streaming show that, uh, that you've gravitated towards here recently. So what, what, yeah, you have some, my, my favorite movie is, uh, the Bronx tale. It was written and directed by Robert De Niro in memory of his father. And, yeah. um, I think it's a really powerful movie. You're actually the second guest that has had the Bronx Tale as, as their choice. So no way. Uh, you have to yeah, introduce me to that guy. <laughs> yeah, really. I, 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 not all the episodes have been released that I've recorded, so I know this before the audience. But I've had two Bronx Tales and two Spinal Taps of all things. So you know, I've been kind of an interesting, interesting choice there. Um, you shared a, a bunch of great advice, some some great nuggets for the audience to take away. Do you have a favorite quote or piece of advice or something that you come back to? time and time again, obviously it sounds like you're on your own learning journey as you're trying to help others, but is there something that really is an anchor for you as you, uh, as you experience things? The quote that changed my life was life is not a problem to be solved, but an adventure to be lived. I think, um, I had a, I have an analytical mind that likes to solve problems and I was treating life that way. And thus I was always fighting a problem. And when I started looking at it as a journey, as an adventure, it became a lot more fun. Yeah. And living it, right? So take that and put it into practice with, with your current uh, current travels. Uh, Parker, really, really great conversation. Uh, really enjoyed it and appreciate your perspectives as well as you sharing what's going on uh, in, in your life. Um, if folks are interested, want to reach out, learn more, how do they find you? Kind of point them in the right direction for us. Yeah, I'm pretty active on social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and my full name is Zachary Parker Harris, and that is my username on those platforms, Zachary Parker Harris, all one word. Great. Well, Parker, thank you very much. I really, really enjoyed the combo. Thank you for spending so much time with us. I'll let you have the rest of your evening in Budapest, and uh, uh, once again, appreciate your joining us on the Grow Your Damn Business podcast. It was my pleasure, Scott. The Grow Your Damn Business podcast is hosted by Scott Goodrich, a professional EOS implementer. To learn more about EOS and how it might help grow your damn business, you can email Scott at scott.goodrich at eosworldwide.com or check out his website at www.eosworldwide.com forward slash Scott hyphen Goodrich. Thank you for listening to the Grow Your Damn Business podcast. If you found this conversation valuable, subscribe to our YouTube channel and find us on your favorite podcast platform. We will see you next week on the Grow Your Damn Business Podcast.